It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. Welcome back. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. Time for another excursion into broadcast excellence, as Rush used to say, or we're going to push back against the frontiers of ignorance, as Walter Williams used to say. Glad you're here broadcasting from the free state of Florida in Echelon Health Studios. I am your host, Dr. Tommy, firmly ensconced behind this uh, microphone, which is a Samson. It's not a, a golden microphone like Rush had, but either way, we're, we're going to have some fun. There's a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of updates, uh, royal updates, crime updates. Uh, what else? A uh, bunch of stuff. Anyway, I wanted to start off with this uh, review of George Strait concert. We just saw George Strait here in Tampa. He did a six-stadium tour this year with Chris Stapleton, and it was uh, culminated in the to, uh, tour stop here in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium. And boy, what a show he put on. 71 years old. George Strait, the king of country, they call him. And uh, he played for a good two hours. Came back for a five-show or five-song encore. Uh, played, uh, this is where the cowboy rides away as his final final song, as is his, um, his usual habit to do. And uh, it's just a great, great, great time. We had a lot of... Um, we had some uh, pregame festivities, had some uh, beer and brats and hamburgers, had some friends there. My brother was there. It's the first time I ever had a, went to a concert with my older brother, which is interesting because we're both old, you know. I'm, what, 45? He's something like 50, 57, 52. He's seven years older than me. So anyway, it was, it was a good time. George Strait, I tell you, this guy's got a great voice and it is not thin at all. Nor is it overly husky or uh, showing any signs of wear. He's really taking care of himself. He's a, just a seems to be such a great guy. Uh, one of the things about country music, I think, is what I like about it is country music is one of the few entertainment genres or music genres where it's largely free of wokeism. I mean, you can't say that about you can't say that about rock and roll. You can't say that about any of the uh, you know pop or whatever is, you know, top 40, you know, that type of stuff. That's purely woke almost to, you know, you go from one extreme where you have, you know, pop slash uh, hip hop, which is probably, you know, as woke as country music is non-woke. But then you have a little bit of overflow between, you know, between the two where there's some woke people in country. But for the most part, I think that's why I like it so much is because you can just usually turn it on and not have to worry about someone talking about something that's, you know, trying to uh, you know, talk about how bad the country is or talk about how how un- unfair things are in America and how, uh, you know, racist things are and this, that, and the other. It's just, you know, the usual claptrap you hear from the left, moaning and groaning and crying and whining and blaming and just the pissing and moaning that just, who wants to hear that? Except people on the left, they, they like that. It's a miserable life, but... Misery loves company, I guess. Anyway, George Strait played for two hours. He uh, played all, not all the hits. He can't play all the hits. There's, I think he had 60, I, I read he had 60 top, top, um, top number one, number one. He had 60 number one uh, singles. Amazing. Amazing career. He started in the early 80s. Uh, he has continued today. He, he had a period of time where he was quote unquote retired. And I think that surprised people when he had, including myself, when he had this, this six stadium tour. Um, there's three more dates left in the year, but they're not stadiums. 
Uh, I've never seen a concert in a stadium. It was the first for me. It sounded, compared to, you know, some arenas I've been in, it actually sounded better. So it's surprising. They had a very good acoustics uh, with their with their setup. But it sounded good. Uh, it was a good time. Chris Stapleton was good. And then uh, Little Big Town opened. And I'm not familiar with much of their music. But either way, it was it was a good time had by all. Recommend, uh, if you can see them in the future, go see them. It might be the last time. That's why... I, I was so intent on seeing them because these guys, these people are touring in rock and country that are really legends. You're not going to see them tour potentially in the future. Like I got a chance to see ZZ Top when Dusty Hill was still alive. Now they're still touring as ZZ Top, but it's not the same without Dusty Hill, obviously. You know, they have the bass tech filling in for Dusty, which is uh, what Dusty wanted, uh, apparently. Per Billy Gibbons, that's what Dusty Dusty said to let the bass tech go. I forgot his name. Anyway, he's the guy who's playing bass now, and uh, but they're 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 plugging along. But like these bands that are still going, like now, like Deep Purple, for instance, I didn't get a chance to see them this time. And to tell you the truth, I, not that I don't want to see Deep Purple, but Deep Purple now is not a good enough approximation, I think, to a, a prime Deep Purple that I would is is on my bucket list. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw ACDC back in the day in 2008, and I thought that would be like the last time they toured. And then they subsequently toured again, and they're going to be playing at Power Trip out in California. But anyway, when I saw them in 2008, they were pretty damn close to their prime. Even though they were, you know, quote-unquote past their prime, they were pretty good. I saw Metallica in in the mid-2000s. I saw Aerosmith. I saw, uh, who else? All these bands, that The Who. Uh, all these bands that are still going now, but I saw them back when they were close enough to their prime. Now, the Who wasn't close to their prime, but they still sounded damn good. Anyway, something to do if you're out there. Go see George Strait. Uh, we have a... Uh, let's see what the first update is. I want to get over this. This is an interesting... This is from Tampa, Florida. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, Tampa Mayor catches 70 pounds of cocaine worth $1.1 million while fishing with the family. So our, our mayor here in Tampa, Jane Castor, was apparently fishing, and she's a former police chief. So she's, you know, she's familiar with what, you know, cocaine that smuggled cocaine looks like. And she said that, she said, the closer I got, closer we got, I was like, oh, that would be a bale of cocaine, Castor told uh, Fox 13. The family pulled the package onto the boat using a gaff and called local law enforcement. And they said, my family was a little worried, like, if there was a tracker on it or something. Well, the batteries are dead if that happened. Um so they had 70 pounds of cocaine they found in while fishing. This is, this is a black and white picture of what it looks like, apparently. It's like wrapped in this canvas bag, and they're individually packaged. So this is something that, I don't know if you heard it recently, there was this problem with these sharks out in the water. I'm just going to play a clip. This is from KTLA 5, and this is uh, talking about the problem, what happens when these sharks get to the cocaine, and um, they cause a frenzy. Uh, after they get it. If sharks uh, aren't terrifying enough to some of you, there's a new threat in the waters off of Florida. How about sharks hopped up on cocaine? Experts say sharks may be gobbling up bales of drugs which have been dumped off the Florida coast by smugglers. Marine biologists went to study the phenomenon. They conducted experiments and spotted a hammerhead shark swimming into dumped packages and biting into them. That gave them what the scientists call crazy brain where they behaved erratically. The phenomenon is featured in a new documentary for the Discovery Channel Shark Week, which starts Sunday. So apparently these sharks, too, 
when they have this crazy brain, they start attacking boats because they think these boats probably have cocaine on them. This is pretty wild, isn't it? So if you're out there and they're swimming and there's a shark acting erratically, uh, hopefully uh, you can get away from him because he may be looking for cocaine on your person. Oh, this is an update from a previous story we covered. You remember this story about this lady who was shot by the six-year-old in Virginia? So this teacher was shot by a six-year-old. And uh, she subsequently sued the school district because they were negligent in basically protecting the teacher from this kid. And uh, so here's an update on it. It says, Virginia six, this is from Fox News, Virginia six-year-old's chilling words after shooting first-grade teacher during class revealed in unsealed docs. So this is this is for your um, this is uh, this is to let you know you know what goes on in these uh, left wing school districts and left wing probably families. It says newly unsealed search warrants re- reportedly reveal the shocking words of a six year old Virginia student allegedly uttered after brandishing a gun at school and shooting his teacher in the classroom. You know, so, so it says reportedly reveal. And then it says allegedly uttered. Okay, well, whatever. And and this is earmuffs if you have children in the car. The boy said, I shot that bitch dead on January 6, 2023, just after the shooting. Not to laugh, but my God. According to Amy Kovac, a, lead, a reading specialist at Rich Neck Elementary School, uh, Kovac rushed into the classroom afterward and restrained a child until police arrived. And then the lady who was shot was Abigail Swerner. Uh, she was bleeding from the hand and upper torso before she collapsed in the front office when she was rushed to the hospital. Now, the reason that she's suing is because um, this this school district apparently had a very lax attitude towards discipline, as is common in all school districts, I think. Uh, well, not all, maybe most school districts. And it says uh, earlier, and this is from the, this is the past what happened. It says earlier in the day, two students had told Kovac they saw the boy with a gun in his backpack. Uh, Kovac and a school administrator are said to have searched the student's backpack at recess, but did not find the firearm at the time. Now, Kovac is the, uh, 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 see, Kovac was the reading specialist. Okay. So she searched Kovac and her, okay. So Kovac and a school administrator searched the reading, uh, the student's backpack. Now there was a part here where they said that the, uh, teacher, uh, or the administrator, I'm sorry, said that this this boy uh, didn't have a gun, and she had searched the backpack, and then the teacher had said, "Well, it's in his uh, pocket of his hoodie," or someone said that, and then the the administrator said, "Well, it couldn't fit in there, so it's not there." And actually, it was in the pocket of the kid's hoodie, and he sh- pulled the thing out and shot the teacher. Um, it says here. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It says, uh, the, now the, the kid's mother has been turned, uh, arrested. So the kid's mother was arrested for negligence. And it says that the, uh, let's see here. The boy has not been charged. Uh, his mother, however, Deja Taylor faces two counts, felony child neglect and a misdemeanor account of leaving a firearm in a way that can endanger a child and a teacher. And here we go. Here we go. You ready for this? Here's the excuses. Okay, here's the mother's lawyer. In lieu of a bench trial, a plea hearing is scheduled for August 15th. Taylor's attorney, James Ellenson, has previously told 
WTKR that the boy's mother was suffering from mental health issues following an ectopic pregnancy and a miscarriage. So that made her, in this in his mind, leave the gun unattended. And so this is what we have here in this society that we have now. Was there's no so there's a multiple failures here. So first of all, the school district, according to uh, the teacher Abigail Werner, was negligent because they didn't uh, discipline this child uh, enough. I remember from the lawsuit previously, from when we covered it before. Uh, the teacher would say that the students would send would be sent to the principal's office and then they'd come back laughing with candy. And um, so this this kind of uh, behavior was tolerated, you know, this bad behavior, which is tolerated a lot of ask any not any teacher, ask most teachers. And if they're honest, they'll tell you that children's behavior is crazy out of control now and that they don't get any backup from the teachers because I actually heard this from uh, firsthand from a teacher. Can't remember who it was. Anyway, they said that the kids now are acting up in school, and and then if you think that's bad, you have to deal with their parents later because the parents will say, "Well, how dare you? How dare you uh, discipline my child that way?" Or or the other other story I heard was they'll call the parents and say, hey, "Look, we're having problems with Johnny, and uh, he's he's messing around in school." And then the the parents will say, "I don't have time for this. Don't call me with this anymore and hang up." You know, there's so much done in in the schools that this this I mean, there's so much that is put the um, put the blame on the schools that is the fault of the parents. And and this thing here, if this was covered in a true left wing fashion, this here is proof that we need more gun control uh, because the six year old shot this teacher. The six year old got his mother's gun, which she left. She left somewhere where he could get it. Uh, The the teacher was able to, uh, I'm sorry, the student was able to get this gun and take it and shoot his teacher. Now, this, in the minds of a leftist, is the reason for more gun control. This is why we need more gun control. If they were honest, this is coming from Fox News. If this was reported by CNN, they would have somebody in here talking about the dangers of guns and how guns have uh, increased how gun violence amongst children has increased and we need more gun control. But yeah, this, this school district didn't discipline this child previously. This was in another article. And then he comes up and he has this gun and they say, Oh, the other thing was this kid apparently was uh, so disruptive that he had to have a, a parent come with him to school every day. And then on one, this day, his parent did not come with him. And this is the day he shot his teacher. But this is the kind of thing that's tolerated in schools. It's bad behavior. You know, kids are kids are allowed to just do whatever the hell they want. Uh, teachers are held to account for uh, kids doing poorly in school when their their home life is a complete disaster. You know, I there's a couple jobs that I wouldn't do. One is be a teacher because it's basically a thankless job unless you live in some place where there's a lot of people who are involved with their children. If you live in one of these communities where the the families are, you know, broken families, single parent families, uh, families of, you know, transient boyfriends uh, sleeping around in the couches and beating up the children and everything else like this. And they come to school and they do poorly on their test. And then you're held to account for it. And you, you're a bad teacher. Well, you know, that's the same thing you see with these doctors too. doctors get held to account for their, their, their patients doing badly on their test. They say, you're a bad doctor. Anyway, that's a different story. 
But anyway, the teachers get these teachers and schools get held to account for the poor, uh, poor um, performance of their kids. But you know, a lot of it's from the cho- uh, from the children's uh, families, obviously. But uh, the other thing I wouldn't do is uh, be a be a police officer. Can you imagine being a police officer? I mean, there's a good chance that if you have to discharge your firearm, you'll be facing a murder charge, depending on what the situation is. And it's not because you committed murder. It's just because whatever you did was just, you know, possibly not politically correct. Remember the video of the of the of the girl, woman, young lady who was large, big girl. And she was, I mean, seconds from with from stabbing this girl in the neck. Another, so it's a black girl, big black girl, and this other little girl, smaller girl, and this woman had this girl or whatever she was, teenager, had this knife, and she was, I mean, she was seconds from stabbing this girl in the neck with a knife. On video, unbelievable footage. And this cop arrives on the scene, and he shoots the assailant, kills her. And what was happening after that? Protests. Protests. Because he should have, oh, they said he should have fired a warning shot in the air. You know, it reminds me of Joe Biden. Joe Biden said that one time, back when he was more lucid. He said that, uh, you know, if someone's coming at you and you're a cop, you should fire a warning shot. You know, maybe shoot a a couple rounds into the air first. He also told his wife that he told her that if there's any any problem at the house, you take your shotgun and you go onto the balcony and you you just send a few rounds off into the air. You know, Saddam Hussein style. You remember he used to do that? Saddam Hussein used to uh, sit around during his, uh, when you have rallies or whatever, and he's sitting there firing a nine millimeter or whatever it was, 45 into the air, and people were cheering. Ah! Anyway, that's a gun control update or lack of gun control update from Virginia. This kid said, I shot that bitch dead. I bet you he had a really uh, nice, he has a really nice home life. Uh, We'll see what happens. Okay, what's we got here? More crime update. Let's stick with the crime. Here we go. Breitbart uh, says, Police in Democrat-run Oakland urge residents to use bullhorns if targeted by criminals. Okay. Police in Democrat-run Oakland, California, urging residents to use bullhorns, air horns, as a way of sounding an alarm when criminals strike amid a surging crime. It says here, uh, it says, uh, Oakland resident Tony Bird indicated that she followed the advice of police and now has three air horns. Bird said, "They're the types of crime that we're seeing feel much more violent and the consequences feel much more severe. And it feels like the people that are being targeted are people who are vulnerable. Imagine that. On Sunday, July 30th, 2023, a 75-year-old Oakland woman was home alone and armed with more than an air horn when two alleged armed intruders entered her home. The woman had a 357 Magnum revolver which she used to fire one shot at their alleged intruders. Uh, the alleged intruders fired multiple shots and fled the scene. The woman was not injured and her daughter described her as superwoman. Uh huh. So that's, that's yeah, she had more than an air horn. It says crime is risen to the point where police are not only advising the purchase of air horns, uh, look at this, but also the placement of quote security bars to doors and windows. That's, that's your crime update. It's your Democrat-run uh, S-hole city update. Oakland. We had another Oakland story a week or so ago. I forgot what it was. Who knows? Some type of hell was happening to people in Oakland, as it always is the case. 
just always these cases of hell on earth. You see Oakland, California is hell on earth. Uh, New York City, another hell on earth. Chicago, hell on earth. You know, your, your chances of being murdered are so much higher. Chances of being sexually assaulted are so much higher. Your chances of uh, uh, defecating in the street are so much higher. Your chances of uh, uh, being addicted to drugs are so much higher. Your chances of being ruled by a Democrat in perpetuity are so much higher in these cities. See a trend? Another crime update. This is, I don't know if you saw this. So these guys, uh, these Sikh, um, these Sikhs, Sikhs are, uh, it's a religion. I think it's the third largest religion or fourth. Maybe, I think it's the fourth. Anyway, Sikhs are, are people. They're from India, I believe. Anyway, these Sikhs owned a grocery store in the hellhole of California, People's Republic. And this is the People's Republic of California and this this city where they're at, I think it was Stockton. Anyway, so I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, they're Stockton. 7-Eleven clerks. So this guy was in their in their store and he was helping himself. He was uh he was getting cigarettes. And uh I'm just gonna play some of it. If you have children, again, uh earmuffs, because uh this guy who's helping himself to cigarettes uses some uh profanity. But I wanted you to see what happened after he uh challenge these Sikhs and uh, see what their uh, take on the woke activism is in regards to if you should let people just take what they want, depending on their needs, according to your ability. Hey, let me get a swish it out. Can I get a strip? Hey, hey, can I get a, can I get a swish? Let me get a swish. I got a strap, he says. So, so he's got a strap, so he's going to be helping himself to these cigarettes using their garbage can. And the guy is recording him. He's like, just let him go. But it's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Just let him go. They're not going to do nothing. They're not going to do nothing. You just have to sit back and... So this guy who's recording is saying to these Sikh owners, he's like, look, man, there's nothing you can... I don't know if he's with this guy. Apparently, he was just recording. Uh, who knows? But either way, he says, uh, there's nothing you can do. You know, you got to just call the police. You know, you do have insurance. And these Sikh owners are getting pissed off. Do you have insurance? What? Do you have insurance? No, this is, it hurts me. So he's continuing to get cigarettes. You know, he's going to clean them out. Ain't nothing you can do, that. Ain't nothing you can do, he says. The narrator is saying there's nothing you can do. And nothing you can do, man, until the police come out. Until the police come. Hey, hey, no, you, hey, don't, hey. And nothing you can do, man. There's don't. nothing you can do. All right, we'll see. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. So don't do that. So this one employee grabs this guy. And you're about to see what happens. Oh. The Sikh hammer of justice is raining down on this guy's legs. He's beating the shit out of him. With a uh, wooden rod. Looks like a mop handle. Right on the shin. Oh, knee. Knee, shin. Leg, thigh. Groin, back. Back, buttocks. That's the Sikh hammer of vengeance, of justice, raining down on this guy. And so this is from uh, the Gateway Pundit. It says this is an update. This guy isn't... These people are not going to be charged, apparently. 
It says, last week it was announced the workers would be investigated, causing backlash from the public, which is sick of rampant crime going unpunished. Now it has been announced that the workers in the video will not be charged. It says here, uh, two Stockton 7-Eleven clerks, it says KCRA reports, two Stockton 7-Eleven clerks seen on video attacking a would-be thief shouldn't expect to be charged in connection with a viral beatdown the San Joaquin County District Attorney indicated on Tuesday. The 7-Eleven store clerks are not and have not been suspects of the San Joaquin County District Attorney's Office. Any investigation going forward is to hold accountable the individual who threatened and attempted to rob them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Video of the July 29th assault has gained national attention. In the more than five-minute video clip, a man can be seen emptying shelves of cigarettes and other items before the clerks step in to stop him. Now, if this happened in the People's Republic of New York City, you know this guy would be getting the these guys would be getting the vengeance of uh, District Attorney Bragg. He would be uh, these guys would be charged for hate crime because this guy's black that they're beating up. They would be charged for hate crime. They would be charged for civil rights violation, probably by Merrick Garland. That's a federal crime. Uh, they would be charged with uh, unlawful uh, uh, detainment. What do they call that? Yeah, they they would be charged with all sorts of things. Uh, but in here in Stockton, California, apparently, I don't know where Stockton is, but this must be a uh, this must be a uh, a haven for uh, sanity in the People's Republic of California, because here we are. This guy uh, is not going. These guys are not going to be charged. This is one of the uh, one of the things that happens though when people when people understand that there's no law anymore, they take things in their own hands. And the leftists call these people vigilantes, and leftists hate vigilantes because see the idea of leftism is well the idea of the current style of leftism that we have in America is this: leftism exists to turn upside down the current way things are done. So. You take a quote-unquote normal society, a functioning society that has a family, that has a mother and a father, that has children that are, uh, um, that, that has children that respect their teachers, respect uh, police officers. It has people who get along with each other despite their uh, differences in race, religion, uh, music taste, or whatever the case is. You take you have a, a society that is a religious in some fashion or spiritual at least, where a significant amount of them go to church or synagogue or a mosque, and and you, you take a society that is productive and a society that believes in right and wrong and has uh, virtue and believes in morals, all that that's what you're dealing with, and you're the left. You have to go in and take that apart piece by piece, because your goal from the left is to destroy that society and rebuild it as a modern leftist utopia. And the way you do that is you slowly attack it. And you see, you see what's happening now and you see what's been happening now for probably the past 60, 70 years in large part. I mean, it was happening before that since the progressive era started and with Woodrow Wilson and uh, you know, and, and, and I'd say it started accelerating then. And it truly accelerated in the last 60 years with the, the, the Great Society and this welfare state, this expansion. But what they're trying to do now is, like I said, you have to get rid of religiosity and spiritualism and replace it with secularism. You have to get rid of nuclear families. That's what part of this American Marxist movement is about, is de destroying the nuclear family. We want to replace uh, fathers with the government. 
We want to uh, break up these uh, mother and fathers, destroy the idea of uh, a mother and a father as normal and say, well, anything's normal. Anything goes. Uh, We want to uh, take it to where uh, people disrespect the government. I'm sorry, the government. People disrespect law enforcement. They think law enforcement is their enemy. And so then you allow crime to take root. They want people to think there are no morals. There is no such thing as right and wrong. Everything's morally ambiguent, ambivalent. Uh, There's ambiguity in morality. Uh, There is no such thing as, you know, you you can't say that it's wrong to be attracted to a child. That's merely uh, you're a minor attracted individual. That's not pedophilia. You know, you can't say that uh, when you're uh, exposing children to uh, sexual content in schools that that's immoral either. That's just uh, that's just uh, exposing people to different sexualities because God knows that there's transgender children and we have to find those transgender children and chop their penises off and put them on Lupron and get their uh, breasts chopped off. So all this is directed towards breaking down this uh, society. And uh, these people are saying the hell with that. You know, at some point the people say, this is bullshit. I am not going to take part in this. And uh, Victor Davis Hansen has a new uh, video out through his, uh, what is it, through uh, Hillsdale. It's about citizenship. And he says, at some point, we have to say to the woke, stop, we're not going to take this. We're not going to take any more of this woke ideology. We're not going to allow it to be shoved down our throats. And these Sikhs, these people are saying, we're not going to allow your uh, interpretation of criminal justice to be shoved down our throats. We're not going to, we don't Don't believe in that. And this is our take on your left-wing criminal justice system. This is what we do. Come in my store, steal cigarettes, threaten me with a gun or a strap, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. You're going to get a, you're going to get rods to the shins and knees and uh, buttocks and back. And you're not going to be charged in Stockton. Like I said, if he was in the People's Republic of New York City, though, these people would probably be in jail right now. They might be in Rikers Island. There was a guy that got stabbed. There was a guy that got stabbed. This is Bodega Worker. You remember this? He was stabbed. He was, was on camera again, a video again. And the guy was stabbed by this uh, person who was trying to come, be, came behind the counter, was trying to assault him. And uh, he was stabbed in the arm, I think, by the, not by the guy, but by the guy that was the woman who was with the guy. So the story was this woman goes into this bodega. Uh, her, her EBT guard gets turned down. So again, this is the beginning of it. The beginning of this story starts with a left-wing beginning. Once upon a time in left-wing America, there was a woman with a EBT card, which allows people to take money from other people from whom, uh, and, and uh, get that, it allows the government to take money from people from whom, uh, from whom they do not give consent and give to other people to whom that money does not belong so they can buy things. That's EBT. So this woman goes into a, a store with an EBT card, EBT cards that gets declined for whatever she wanted and she gets mad. And so her companions with her and her companion is not going to have it. And then amongst some point in this scenario, the bodega worker gets stabbed in the arm. And so this, this guy comes around the counter uh, and he's he's assaulting this uh, bodega worker, and the bodega worker isn't having it. And he pulls out, I don't know how, how, how he had it. Maybe he had it for protection because you're not allowed to have guns in New York City. But he had this big kitchen knife, and with one swing, direct hit right in the guy's neck. And the guy was toast. He was killed on site. I don't even think he made it out of the store. 
Anyway, that guy was charged by Bragg. I think it was Bragg. He was charged by some DA in uh, New York City. The guy, the bodega worker, who was protecting himself, was charged with murder, and he spent some days in Rikers Island until there was enough of an outroar, up, uproar, outcry, that he was released and the charges were dropped. But again, like I said, in the People's Republic of New York City, these people would be in Rikers Island right now. And then if it was if they were lucky, maybe they'd get out. All right. Let's see what else we got here. This is a feel good story. <clears throat> this is This is from the Gateway Pundit. This is another update on one of the stories we covered earlier. Oberlin College furious it had to pay thirty six million to bakery owners. It slandered as racist. Now it's suing its own insurance company. So Oberlin College uh, was found guilty of slander because it called these uh, bakery owners racists because seven years ago in 2016, and here go back to the article, the story began nearly seven years ago in 2016 when three black students at the college attempted to steal wine from the bakery, assaulted a store clerk, and were chased out of the shop. Following the incident and arrest of the would-be thieves, Oberlin students protested outside Gibson's Bakery claiming that the owners were, quote, racist for their reaction to the attempted shoplifting. Oberlin College decided to support the protesting students and cut all ties to the bakery. In 2019, a jury awarded the Gibsons $44 million in damages as part of a defamation lawsuit against Oberlin, according to the Associated Press, but a judge reduced it to $25 million. The interest on the initial payment has since accumulated to to $36 million, and the college is demanding that its insurance providers cover it, but are finding out the hard way that may not happen. It says, The Chronicle reported the college is suing Lexington Insurance Company of New York, United Educators Insurance of Bethesda, Mount Holly Insurance of uh, Illinois, and Starstone Specialty Insurance of Cincinnati. For uh, It says, These policies were intended to provide seamless coverage for lawsuits like the Gibson litigation, the college alleged. Unfortunately, the defendant insurers have failed to pay a penny towards the $36 million sum that Oberlin paid. Oh, they already paid the Gibson plaintiffs. Awesome. Awesome. So Oberlin College, big lefties in Oberlin, had to pay, and they already paid it up. And then uh, I guess these insurance companies are telling them, you know what? Go screw yourself. We're not paying it. It says... It appears as though the leftists who run Oberlin College are still upset about losing the lawsuit and are determined to do everything they can to avoid the consequences. This is pretty typical of the left. They cannot admit when they've lost and never want to face any consequences. <laughs> Isn't that right? The administration and the student government in Oberlin were at the heart of the woke mob that nearly destroyed the livelihood of this hardworking family. Again, these are people who said, you know what? Screw your woke uh, attempts to destroy what we have here in America as a fairly normal society. And just because these students who tried to rob us were black doesn't allow you to call us racist and try to destroy our bakery just because it makes you feel good. And they, 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 the Oberlin College didn't have to do this. Oberlin College did this as a virtue signal. Virtue signal. Same thing as uh, Bud Light. Bud Light didn't have to do what they did. They did what they did as a virtue signal with Dylan Mulvaney. And it's cost them a lot of money. It cost them more than $36 million. It's cost them billions, billions. 
with a B. And so, you know, this is what happens when uh, there's a little bit of sanity in the woke uh, universe of America. And really, if you think about it, wokeism is not as predominant as you'd think. And that's due to this media megaphone effect where the media amplifies things bigger than what you think they are. If you watch the media, if you watch the CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, uh, you know, whatever, go down the line. You would think that uh, 50% of the population is transgender. You would think that black people and white people are at each other's throats on a daily basis. You would think that children are lining up uh, to have their genders uh, reassigned. You would think that it's normal to have feelings for children when you're an adult sexually. You would think it's normal for uh, the president of the United States to be involved with his son's um, business, quote unquote, with Ukraine and China and uh, have no kind of uh, repercussions for that. You would think it's normal for that same president to have his major uh, opponent arrested prior to the election. That's if you if you listen to the media, like I said, if you read the media, you think all that's normal. But that's just an amplifier effect. So what the media does is they go out and they find things that suit their tastes, their 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 wants, their desires, fit their narrative, and they just amplify the hell out of them. And so before long, if you consume that type of media, and if you consume it solely, your brain is washed. And just you think that like I said, 50% of America is transgender. Children want to get their uh, penises cut off. You think it's okay to have your children get their penis cut off. You don't think it's child abuse. You think it's wrong to have a movie that decries pedophilia and tries to find child traffickers. The world is turned on its head upside down if you're, uh, if you're, if you're only listening to what left-wing mainstream media has to offer. Or left-wing mainstream entertainment has to offer. Because it's everything. Everything. The left controls everything virtually in the world as far as communication. Except for a very small fraction of the internet and talk radio. And when I say small fraction, I mean a small fraction of the internet. The, the left does not control talk radio at all. And the reason why is because talk radio is a... Uh, you have to... Talk radio is not something where you can just listen and absorb it. You have to kind of think about it because the visual is removed. It's not put forward in a format that is just telling you what to think. It's talking to you. It's kind of talk radio. And so you have to be engaged. You have to engage yourself. And that doesn't really hold well for uh, left-wing type of ideologies. Left-wing ideologies are better when you can just make an emotional plea for something. Like this, this thing here. From the Gateway Pundit, PBS NewsHour rolls out climate psychology therapists to help calm climate anxiety. So here's another one. PBS, add that to your list. It says, PBS just keeps getting weirder. They actually brought on a climate psychologist to help calm climate anxiety, whatever that is. As if people don't have enough responsibilities or burdens in life, enter our friends at PBS. Now they have another thing that they want people to focus on, climate anxiety. John Yang, who is an anchor at PBS NewsHour, interviewed a climate psychologist therapist, according to Newsbusters. P- 
PBS producers round sound bites of seven souls who claimed fear of climate change had made them anxious about the future, including Mark Akeda, who said, quote, climate anxiety affects my daily life by the decisions I make about where I want to go some or when I want to go someplace or where I want to go or how I want to travel. John Yang interviewed Leslie Davenport, who was a climate psychology therapist. She says, we viewed a stress, upset, sadness, grief, anger about climate change to be a very reasonable, even healthy reaction. She referred to this field of psychology as, quote, emerging. One has to ask, is climate change even qualify as science? That's newsbusters. So this is the thing, you know, like I said, if you consume PBS, but they appeal to you through emotion. You know, think about it. Think about anything the left that is a left talking point. Let's take it. Let's start with A, affirmative action. Okay. Here's the, here you want to hear the, the quick two, 20 second uh, pitch for affirmative action. Okay, here it goes. America is a racist country because there was racism uh, in the past because of slavery. People are still being treated as slaves. And now because of that, uh, we have to have people discriminated against based on their color to give those people who are discriminated against because they're viewed as uh, inferior because of their skin color. We have to give them special consideration. That's it. And you say, well, that, that sounds very reasonable. Slavery sucked. People are still being treated or dealing with repercussions of slavery. Yeah, they need a leg up. So some people have to get discriminated against. You know, they're probably white supremacists either way. You know, you know that's if we listen to Ibram X. Kendi. You know, this guy who's an anti-racist. Children are born racist anyway. So what? it doesn't matter. You know, that's one. You take gun control is another one. Here it is. Okay. Guns uh, kill people. Uh, people murder people with guns. If we just got rid of all the guns, there would be no murder from handguns. That's it. It pretty quick, pretty easy. All we have to do is get rid of all the handguns. Um, nobody needs them. Cops will always be there when you need them. Uh, only people that need handguns are the people who are guarding, uh, uh, you know, Taylor Swift or Joe Biden or Joe Scarborough or his beautiful wife. You know, so that's that's what you have to think. So what's another one? Climate change. Uh, climate change is real. Climate change is caused by man by doing things that are bad, like driving cars that aren't electric. Uh, and then all we need to do is enact all these big regulations, and then we can stop climate change and save the earth, save our and save our mankind. That's easy. Go down the line. They always it's always an emotional plea. But yeah, it says uh. This summer, millions of Americans are experiencing firsthand the effects of climate change. Triple-digit temperatures for days on end. That's never happened, actually. Never in the history of the world, universe, has there been triple-digit temperatures for days on end. Smoke from record-setting wildfires fouling the air. I don't know what record they're talking about, but I believe it. I believe there's never been wildfires like this ever, ever. Even when the dinosaurs were around. Never. Warming oceans. Yep, oceans are warming. Never been warmer. 
bleaching coral reefs. I don't know what the hell that means. Opinion polls when growing uh, concern about climate change. Uh, psychologists say that it can be a positive thing, spurring people to action. So, but for some it can cause anxiety, and uh, that's why they wanted to have this guest on. But this lady thinks it's good, it's healthy. Well, from the emerging field of climate psychology, one thing that's very important to understand is we feel is that we view distress, upset, sadness, grief, anger about climate change to be very reasonable, even healthy. Because it's built into us as people that we feel risks, threats, and experience losses. There's, we're going to be upset. So it's really important to acknowledge that you're feeling, uh, if you're feeling that on any level of intensity, it really means you're paying attention. You care. You're empathetic to what's happening in our world. Davenport went on to tell viewers to find climate circles to express their feelings. Okay, guys, this could be our little climate circle. Feel free to communicate through... Uh, through uh, whatever podcast platform you're on and let me know you're you're every week we'll share our climate our climate anxieties and our little climate circle here dr tommy show climate circle it says uh junk scientist al gore spearheaded the modern climate hysteria al gore has made climate predictions in the past that did not come true and it says here fox news reports noted climate advisor and former vice president al gore who made headlines this week after he claimed global warming was boiling the oceans, has a history of making climate-related proclamations later proven to be false. For example, Gore said during a speech at the Copenhagen Climate Conference in 2009 that there was a 75% chance that the entire North Pole ice cap during the summer months could be completely ice-free within the next five to seven years. So for you guys doing the math at home, that's from 2014 to 2016 at the latest, we were 75% chance that the entire polar ice cap. Now, he wasn't wrong necessarily because he said there was a 75% chance. So there's a 25% chance that it didn't get melted all the way. So there you go. Anyway, another thing to be worried about. We've got a, well, this is important. This is from Fox News. Uh, Prince Harry's feud with King Charles, Prince William at intervention point, says an expert. It says, uh, true royalty TV co-founder Nick Bullen told Fox News Digital tensions remain high between the Duke of Sussex and the Prince of Wales as their father, King Charles III, hopes to make peace. Prince Harry and Prince William are said to be no closer to mending their ongoing rift. The battling brothers are both heading to Singapore to promote their causes, but the royal watchers shouldn't expect a heartfelt reunion anytime soon. It says, uh, William is expected to visit the Island Republic in Southeast Asia on November 7th. Prince Harry was in Tokyo, blah, blah, blah. It says here, I'm sure everyone managed those diaries to make sure there was no crossover whatsoever. Nick Bullen told Fox News Digital. Harry hasn't even been going to old friends' weddings. So those moments where they might bump into each other aren't happening, let alone choreographed moments. Prince Harry's older brother, Prince William, is heir to the British throne. Bullen is an award-winning documentarian who has been producing programs about the British royal family for 20 years. He has also worked closely with the king for about a decade. Boy, I don't know about you guys, but 
this is to me more than climate change is what bothers me. I mean, I don't know. Let's see if it gets better. Okay. I'm told that the king continues to reach out to Harry and Meghan and the door is always open, said Bullen. I think probably be I think probably he more than anybody wants to repair the relationships. We all know things are still very tense between William and Harry, but I think the king does want to repair things. There's probably an open invitation to visit the king whenever they can. He would love to see them. Um So, yeah. What else we got here? Let's see what else. I think there is so much water under the bridge between William and Harry that how they intend to find the common ground is beyond most royal commentators. I think there needs to be a brokerage from one another person from another person. There almost needs to be an intervention. It requires both parties to be willing to come to the table. I think I think I think Joe Biden should do it. Man, this is hurts. Just reading this stuff. You know, I have a brother. Just reading this stuff makes me, you know, choke back tears. It says here In Spare, Harry details his rivalry with William, forty one. In the book, Harry alleged that during an argument in 2019, William called Markle difficult and rude. That's that's Harry's wife. And then grabbed him by the collar and knocked him down. Now, we covered this before. This was shocking when I read it the first time. <clears throat> Harry suffered cuts and bruises from landing on a dog bowl. Harry later claimed Charles implored the brothers to make up. Following the funeral of Charles' father, Prince Philip, in 2021, the king pleaded, Please, boys. Don't make my final years a misery. Now, that's Scottish, so I don't know how he said it. He said it in an English accent. As if the king was Sean Connery. Author Kate Nichol previously revealed in her book, The New Royals, that even the late queen was, quote, deeply hurt by Harry's decision to leave his family and the country. Charles became king upon his mother's death. Oh, guys, I can't read this anymore. It's too hard. Okay, Biden, uh, sorry, Mitch McConnell. This is a Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Joe Biden, who I nominate to be the guy to intervene between uh, Harry and William and make things better. I nominate Joe Biden. This is why Republicans are called the stupid party. Mitch McConnell urges House Republicans to avoid Biden impeachment. This is from, the gate, or this is from Breitbart. Speaking to the New York Times in an interview published Tuesday, McConnell says he does not want to continue the impeachment cycle that Democrats started two years ago when they impeached former President Trump on dubious charges. I thought two years ago we had not one but two impeachments that if we go down this path, it incentivizes the other side to do the same thing. Impeachment ought to be rare, he noted. This is no good for the country. So we shouldn't impeach Joe Biden because they impeached Donald Trump twice. So Joe Biden, I mean, let's, ref, let's, let's refresh. So Donald Trump was impeached for a phone call the first time to Voldemir Zelensky, the Winston Churchill of our time, according to George W. Bush, the man who is the saint of all saints, living amongst us, imperfect, 
as Jesus was before him. Um, so this guy was asked by Donald Trump, hey, you should look into this Biden, you know, your Burisma thing, this Ukraine, Biden payments, just, just look into it. Ooh, that was far beyond the pale. And for that, he was impeached. And I think it was Vindman. Oh, say, can you see Colonel Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, who was the one who spilled the beans. And he was the one that was on that call and was so shocked by it. And so anyway, so Biden, as it turns out, probably did all of the things that he's accused of. We'll never know because these weak Republicans will not lift a finger to even try to find it. Because I think what one of our patients said before was true. They don't believe in throwing stones in glass houses. And they know that if they start doing that, then people will start leaking stuff to the press about them, you know, and they don't want that coming up. And so I think that's the reason. And I think the other reason why is because there's a uniparty. Democrats, Republicans are uniparty. It's just like WWE. Uh, they're wrestlers on, on TV camera. They're at each other's throats. And at the end of the day, it's all choreographed. It's all fake. And that's what the Republicans, Democrats are. It's all fake. It's all BS. That's why nothing's going to happen with any of this Comer. You know, it's, it's nice to know, but nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to ever happen to Democrats. Democrats run Washington, D.C. Democrats run the government. Republicans are a junior partner. Republicans are love to be junior partners. They would like nothing better than to be a perpetual minority and not have to ever do anything. What Republicans hate the most is when they have a majority because then they are tasked with doing things that they said that they would do during their campaigns. And they know that that is not what's in the best interest of the uniparty. The best interest of the uniparty is perpetual big government, perpetual spending, perpetual war, perpetual uh, uh, encroachment on the state's rights to uh, uh, regulate themselves, empowerment of federal bureaucracies. Expansion of federal bureaucracies, powers vis-a-vis HHS and Obamacare, EPA and, uh, you know, the monitoring water on your land as if it's water that is uh, land or water that contributes to the entire country. And that's how they can uh, uh, regulate the water on your land, you know. So but that's this Mitch McConnell urges House Republicans to avoid Biden impeachment. This is just proof positive that the Republicans are always going to be a party that is a unserious party when it comes to trying to restore any semblance of constitutionality to the federal government. You'll have wins here and there where the Republican will win a nominal Republican like Donald Trump, who was basically a third party candidate. Uh, He won against the wishes of establishment Republicans, establishment Democrats, the Uniparty. But this is this is it. This is us, uh, Uniparty of the United States, right there. The two elder statesmen, both of them who are far past their prime, and both of them who should be put out to pasture, but both of them who firmly entrenched in Washington, D.C., both of them firmly entrenched in the uh, spoils of being a career politician and rich beyond their wildest dreams, despite their probably very limited skills outside of government. But yeah, this is what McCarthy says. 
I think there's enough proof out there that this Biden family needs to come forward and show there wasn't a pay to play. Well, then do something about it. You're the damn Speaker of the House. Impeach these people. Find out what happened. You know, we're always concerned about, well, who was the big guy? Was Joe Biden the big guy? Was Hunter paying Joe? All you have to do is subpoena Hunter Biden and ask him that question. I mean, how many times, how many hours was Don Trump Jr. in front of the Congress under subpoena answering questions? Not one second has Hunter Biden been under subpoena because these guys are gutless. These guys are feckless. These guys are uh, limp-wristed, the Republicans I'm talking about, and they'll never, ever do anything to upset the apple cart because all they want to do is, like I said, be the junior partner they want to be enjoy the spoils of being in D.C. They want to get their consultant job when they finish. They want to get put on the board of directors of this and that company when they finish. They want to become rich beyond their wildest imaginations. And they're going to do that through their contacts they make in Washington, D.C. The last thing you want to do is do anything to harm the power of Washington, D.C. And that's if you're a conservative out there, that's what you want. If you're Ronald Reagan, you came to town because you wanted to make uh, uh, to uh, make government smaller, and it didn't happen. If you're Donald Trump, you came to town and you wanted to drain the swamp, and it didn't happen. And it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen in this electoral process that we have now with these people we have now. And that's why the only thing they really could do is like a convention of states, really. You know, even if that's, if, you know, who knows? I think really the only thing that can happen is like a divine intervention, you know? I think that's the only thing that can really happen is some type of divine intervention. It's almost, uh, Donald Trump winning was almost a divine intervention. I'm not saying that to be flippant. I'm just saying, in all honesty, when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, it's probably the most uh, shocking political event in anybody who's listening's lifetime that will ever happen. No matter how old you are or how young you are, it's probably the most shocking thing that will ever happen. And it probably will never happen again because we know Hoover's boys ain't going to allow it to happen again. They've shown that. And everybody else. So, anyway, that's it for us this week. Join us next week on the Dr. Tommy Show. Go to drtommy.com slash podcast. And you can join us on any of the different uh, platforms that are out there. Thank you for listening. Uh, share it with a friend. Until next time, bye-bye.